0: well I thank you for that song Um, that encourages me to press on with the message I have because he is the creator of the universe and all things belong to him he deserves first place I want to challenge you this morning and ask us the question what is in first place in your life you know the danger is that God wants to bless his people but the more he blesses his people the more his people look at his blessings and not at him and we're more interested in the gift than the giver and that happened with the children of Israel as they were on their way into the promised land you remember in Deuteronomy God spoke to Moses and said "Moses." Tell the people. Warn them. When you get into the promised land and I give you cities you didn't build and vineyards you didn't plan and wells you didn't dig, don't forget me. What did they do? They turned their eyes away from God and forgot him. And not long thereafter, when you read the book of Judges, it's, it's a catastrophe, a cycle of getting away from God. God punishing his people, sending them into slavery through captivity and other kings around them and then repenting and coming back to God and sending someone to help them and then forgetting. And and, and that's the way we are. And so God has a problem with us. If he blesses us too much, we forget him. If, we don't, if he doesn't bless us enough, we curse him and we say, where are you, God? What is God supposed to do with us, hard-headed, stubborn, blind folks? And so we must recognize We are very, very blessed. Things are changing in this world as we see in the world events. And by the way, that's an opportunity for us in the world where people are maybe wondering what's going on, where can I have hope, where can I have security? We have an answer. And we as God's children... We must not hold more on to our comfort and on to our status quo than we hold on to God. Because God may be changing some things in this world. I don't know if this is going to be what's leading up to the end or not. But just recently I read through the book of Revelation again. And I'll tell you folks, some even much, much more difficult days are coming. And the question is, Jesus said, when I come, there will not be much faith on the earth. Don't let it be that way on your watch. But it's up to you. And God is more interested in your heart. For if your heart is right, he's interested in the worker, not the work. If the worker is right, the work will get done. But if the worker is not right, the work will not get done, and certainly will not get done in the right way. And he wants you, he wants your heart. And therefore in in the scriptures so often the warning, like in Proverbs, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are are the issues of life. But there's a competition for your heart. The world wants your heart. Satan is trying to distract, you, distract your heart from, from God. But we read in the scriptures, our fulfillment it should come from God. And the danger is, we are so blessed in this country, we have so much. That other things have first place. As we just sang, you ought to have first place. What has first place in your life? not our comfort, not our home, not our our wealth, not our security, not our football team, not this team, not that event, not this hobby, not this thing, but God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And God has promised he will give us great, great blessing. But it's about God. And so... I want to challenge us this morning and to help us to see that God says Psalm 16:11, In your presence is fullness of joy. Nehemiah 8:10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. But we have so much that we've forgotten the main thing. And I'm just if you can just remember one sentence. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You got that? And we've gotten to the point where the main thing is no longer really the main thing for most of us, if we're really honest. And it is sometimes, but it's not always. And it's time, it's time for us to put God first, whatever that may mean for you. The most important thing in your life is your relationship. To God, And God is love. And God wants a love relationship with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to lead you. He wants to go with you in every step of your way, every step of your day to guide you and direct you and give you words and help you to see people that need you, help you to see things that need to be done, help you to see something that that is out there where you can reflect the glory of God and bring the presence of God into your world where you are. And he wants to bless us with his presence, to bless us with his life, to bless us with himself. And the Bible is is God's love letter to us to call us to himself. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will give you rest. But we're we're so busy. We're so busy. We we need rest, but we're sometimes too busy for God, and if we're too busy for God, we're too busy, and so I would like for us this morning to think about the, 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 the truth that God wants your heart, your love, and anything else that's in first place is idolatry, and we don't think of ourselves as being idolaters, but that's why in the book of Colossians, it talks about greed, which is idolatry, things, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot serve God and mammon, God and money, God and wealth, God and things. But we have so many things, and the things take up my time, and the things re- require my attention. And so therefore we read in Revelation 2-4 in the church of Ephesus where God said, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. You've left your first love. He, he wants a love relationship with you so that his love and his life so changes you that makes that make you become more Christ-like so that God himself becomes visible in your life and shows his, his person through you. And following Jesus is not just words following jesus is a changed life through the power of god not through the power of yourself but through the power of god flowing through you through a love relationship because you are living in harmony with your god and so i want us just to look at some very simple things this morning that are very very basic but are very very necessary turn with me in your bibles to matthew chapter 22 Matthew chapter 22 and while you're turning there before I forget it we have some prayer cards out there to encourage you to pray for us and we'll know where we should go from here in our lives we're not sure what the next steps are for us but also to pray for the churches in Germany that you've invested in the last 37 years out at the guest tables out front Matthew 22 verse 34 to 40 when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, this is at a time of great tension between the, the leaders of Israel and Jesus. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, With all of your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it you should love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. That means this is important. The whole kit and caboodle is hanging together with these two things. To love. To love God first and to love your neighbor second. Because you can't love your neighbor if you don't love God. And you can't say you love God if you don't love your neighbor. But it's a heart thing. And so he starts out by saying, love God with all you are. Jesus said that in various ways. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said in in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, it's about you and it's not about me. Priorities in your life. And that's always the goal of the church is to remind us of what our priorities ought to be because we get distracted we 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 get we pull away and we we forget what it, what it's all about and the church is there to remind us come back come back to God come back to the Lord keep your focus on God look heavenward keep your vertical look strong What was the first question that the Lord Jesus asked Peter after the the crucifixion and after the resurrection when they met on the sea of Galilee What was the first question That Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? I think that's the most important question there is. Do you love Jesus? And words are cheap. Love needs to be visible. Love needs to be experienced by those we love, not just cheap talk. I I can say a lot about how I love my wife, but if I don't demonstrate that by my behavior and by my helping and by my trying to understand and my, my trying to help her. It's not going to be very convincing just to say, I love you. And you know, I'm not sure that God is any different. I don't think he is impressed with words that are not backed by a life. He said of Israel, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Do you, do you love God? Is that visible in your life, in the way you spend your time? Do you have time for God? Do we listen to God? Or are we are we seeking God? Really, to hear from him? Do, do we, are we obey, obeying what we know from God, what we hear? Because Jesus said in, in John, John's gospel several times, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And there are always things in there that we struggle with. But he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Not that you'll argue and you'll excuse yourself and say, yeah, but. Focus. Do you talk about him? Do people around you know that you are a follower of Jesus? Do you rejoice in your time with God? Or is it a burden? Is it something you just have to do? And you, you, is, is it at the time of your day where you, where, you, where you fill your heart up and get your strength for the day and get your orientation for the day to get ready for the day? It's a battle. And most of all, it's a battle with your own self because your self wants to say, it's about me. And God wants to say, no, it's about me. And it's a struggle. The first words, discipleship. If any man follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Do you seek the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Because you have as much of God as you want. He has promised us, Jeremiah 29, if you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Just this week, I read, we read, Lindy and I read a, a tremendous illustration of that. See, if you seek me, you should. You know these books? Uh, Where's Waldo? Anybody know Where's Waldo? Come on, let's see. Anybody? Okay, good. Most of them. Where's Waldo? Waldo is a little bitty guy with a red and white striped sweater and red and white striped socks and a red and white striped cap. And, but it's in this huge page of, of artistry, where you have to find Waldo. He's there. But you have to find him. But if you want to find him, you will. If you want to find God, you will. And if someone says, you know, I've, I've looked for God and I've never found him, you know, like the cosmonaut, the, the Russian cosmonaut, you remember years ago, he said, well, I was in outer space and I didn't see God. Yeah. yeah you know, I heard, space right. I was in outer space and I didn't see God. Well, I, My pastor in Memphis, Tennessee, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, Dr. Agent Rogers used to say, if he'd have taken off his helmet, he would have seen God. (laughs) Anyway, Dr. Rogers used to also say, a lot of people don't find God for the same reason a thief doesn't find a policeman. We don't want to find God we afraid of that. That was the problem with the Pharisees. They didn't want to yield their position to God. He was a man, a God man, who did miracles, who raised the dead, who never told a lie, who taught with such wisdom and always confounded them. But did they bow their knee to say that must be the Messiah? And some of his miracles were messianic miracles. They knew that if the Messiah came, that's what he was supposed to do. But they still didn't believe. Why didn't they? They didn't want to believe. And if you seek God, he has promised you. Jeremiah twenty-nine thirteen. if you seek me, you shall find me. If you search me with all of your heart. And it's a serious thing. It's a hard thing. It's a matter where God has made the, the God of the universe has promised to us worms on this earth. If you seek me, I will make myself known to you. And you just saw a few slides about many, many people where that's the case. And if you found God, you know that to be the case as well. Your story is just as important. But God is seeking people. And the question is, are we seeking God are what are we seeking what's number one in your life that's the first command and if it's the greatest command it's the greatest sin not to do that and folks i cannot say that i love god all the time with all of my heart with all of my soul with all of my strength and with all of my mind i don't do it but i'm on the path and i want to do it and i'm seeking and striving and saying god help me search me O oh god and know my heart search me try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting Are you making progress? Are you looking vertically for God? That's the first command. If you're going to do that, you're not just going to keep it to yourself and say, isn't God wonderful and I'm so blessed. He puts you here for a reason. He saved you for a reason. To glorify God where you are. Let your light so shine among men that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Not to glorify you and say you're a wonderful guy, you're a wonderful girl. To glorify your God because you've made it known. I am what I am by the power of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. So we're going to love our neighbor. Second command. He said the second command is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And you can't say that you love God if everything's not all right with your neighbor, your family, on your street, your, in your school, your friends, at work. God is very, very practical. By this, shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. And today it's easy to be sitting on the sidelines and to be critical Anybody can be critical. And today, no matter what decisions you make about COVID, it's going to be wrong with somebody. I mean, we don't need to go into that. You know that story. But folks, that's not the main thing. And if that causes problems with us, and if we're dividing ourselves because of the decisions that are made, whether it's this or that regarding COVID, folks, that is not the main thing. There are Christians all over this world that are being persecuted for their faith because they go to a Bible study or because they've been baptized or because they are meeting together and have to sing silently, sing their songs silently on the floor of of a meeting room. And we're struggling over things like this, and we're saying we are followers of Jesus. There's something wrong. Amen? Amen. Love your neighbor. Even if he's got a different conviction than you, if he knows Jesus, there may come a day when we're standing up against a wall and it's not going to matter how some of these things were decided God calls that hypocrisy. And loving your neighbor means you're going to be concerned about his soul. And I just want to encourage you. You saw a lot of pictures of people. Folks, there are people in your environment, in your world, and they need a friend. They call Jesus the friend of tax collectors and sinners. He spent time with them. Now, I want to ask you, Do you have anybody out there who's not a believer, who's really your friend, and with whom you spend time, that you are seeking to invest your life in that person, to help that person one day find Jesus? And I just want to encourage you, it, it may well come to the point, and that, that ought to be the goal, or it'll come to the point where you'll, they'll be asking questions, and, and, and you'll be talking about things, and, and you can just very easily say, you know, one of the best things we could do would be to sit down together at your kitchen table, and let's read the Bible together. The Gospel of John would be very well oriented towards that. At the end, John said, these things have I written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so... You can explain the gospel of John. You can do that. And if you can't, ask somebody who can. And there's nothing wrong with saying to your friend, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find out by next week and I'll come with an answer. And that way they learn and you learn. And we help them. And it's such a joy with this last couple that I shared, where, or next to last couple, where it took seven to eight years. We could see the nature of their questions were changing. At first, they were very skeptical, very hard questions, very very challenging questions, very provocative questions. But they softened, and they got more informational questions and more, how can this work for me? What does this mean for me? What I've never heard this before. And it's such a joy to see the lights go on and to see people warm up and understand who God is. And, folks, we have the joy of being able to share with a dark, lost world, a hopeless world, who God is. He is the hope of the world, and that's what you have in your heart. The salt is no good if it doesn't come out of the shaker. You are the salt of the earth, and we're like a, a bunch of salt that's just meeting together, a bunch of rabbits in a rabbit hole meeting, and we have our rabbit hole meeting, and, and this and this, and this. we need to get out. There are other critters out there that need to hear, and, and, and that's loving your neighbor as yourself. Are you involved in someone's life who's not a believer, who's not a follower of Jesus, and spending time with, if nothing else, eating meals together, doing whatever you do? I was in a tennis club. I'm not super at tennis, but when I needed the exercise, I like tennis. But thirdly, and most importantly, I wanted to have an avenue to meet with people that I could share Christ with. And as far as I know, I was the only Christian in my tennis club. But those guys knew who I was, and I was able to share Christ with some of them. None of them ever been on debate and, and wanted to know more. But I can't influence that. I just am there to say, folks, the answer you're looking for is Jesus. Do you want to hear more? And whether you ride a horse, whether you play tennis, whether you play golf, do you eat? I think most of you do. It looks like it. (laughs) It's a lot more comfortable to invite friends over from the church. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But Jesus said, don't just do that. Invite the lame and the blind, the folks that will not be able to repay you. Invite someone where the conversation may not be so unified, where it may not be so comfortable, where there may be some things said that are Not usually set at your table, but someone that you can start sharing Jesus with. And do it not just once or twice. How long did it take you to come to Jesus, to see who Jesus was? And to realize people need time. They need a friend who can show them their best friend, Jesus. And that's what God wants us to do. The heart of God is in the world. God so loved not just Virginia Beach and, and Norfolk and all these places. God so loved the world. And maybe he wants to send you into part of that. Maybe you ought to be a part of that. to go. And it's a joy to be a part. It's a special thing to be a part of the missions family. It's something special that folks just can't quite understand they have not been there. And it's great. It's great, but it's not always easy. And so let me just end with one quick summarization or maybe two or three. But anyway, start out with one. (laughs) The parable in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. You know, we, I think we, catch, we get this thing wrong. If you look at the first part of Luke 15, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees were murmuring against Jesus because he was spending his time with these people. And, and so then he, he goes into this parable. And the main character, I don't think, is really the prodigal son. I think it's the older brother. But, but you know the story. The, the prodigal son comes and says, you know, give me everything I, that is my part of the inheritance and I want it right now. The father did not have that on a bank account at First American Bank. He had to sell something. It was inconvenient. You don't do that. It's a slap in the face of your father as your, as your elder to say that and to do that. But he did. He goes off and spends it, wastes it, ends up in poverty, comes to himself. The text says wonderfully. He came to himself and realized even the servants in my father's house have it better than I do. He develops his little speech, which is a speech of repentance. I have sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Would you accept me as a servant? That's repentance. And he comes back, and, and his father accepts him, and he kill the fatted calf and, and put a ring on his finger and a robe around him. And the older brother comes back. He's been working in the field. He's been serving. He's working hard. And he hears music, and he asks, What's going on? Your brother has come home. You're one. You're one. The one who was lost. He stands there and pouts. They go in and tell the father. The father comes out and says, "Won't you?" In essence, "Won't you come in?" And he said, "You never did anything like that for me. I've been serving you all of these years, and you've never had a party like this for me." I said, "But." Your brother, my son, who is lost, has come back home. Won't you rejoice? Now, folks, when the parable ends, where is the older brother? He's outside. Do we ever have any indication that he goes inside to be able to rejoice and join in the joy? Not that we know of he did not understand the heart of his father. And so he could not be concerned about the lost brother. If you know the heart of your father, you will be concerned about lost people. Have you given God... First place in your life, whatever that might mean. The harvest is plenty. That verse used to bother me. The, I didn't see people just waiting to, to come tell me about Jesus. How do you get a harvest? You don't just go out there. You know, first time I had a garden. Uh, I come from the city. I came from. I had a garden and I went out there and planted the seeds. Really, the next day, I went out there to see what was happening. <laughs> you know what was happening? Nothing. But we we kind of feel like, well, I share the Romans road with somebody, I share the gospel once, that's it. The harvest takes time, it takes work, it takes patience, it takes watering, it takes weeding things out, wrong ideas out, working on it. The harvest is plenteous, but you know what the problem is? The laborers are few. And Jesus didn't say, pray for the harvest. He said, pray for the harvest that God will send laborers into his harvest. You know that great song, People Need the Lord. But we're too busy eating at the table and we've forgotten. So I think of the verse in Romans twelve one: I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Because God has been so good to you. Because God's grace has overflown in your life. Because of the mercies of God. I beseech you. I plead with you. I beg you. Because of the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. It's not too much. Give him your body. Give him your life. Give him your soul. Say, God, you are God. And and when we know God, God gives us a new heart and a new spirit and a new direction. He gives us his life. And then we experience what we find in in this verse where it says, you make known to me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. That's the image of the parable of the vine and the and the branches, John 15. Our relationship to Jesus is the fulfillment of our heart. How is your heart? As we left Germany, a lot of folks thanked us for coming. Who's thanking you for coming their way? Folks, that's a joy to have folks thank you for telling them about Jesus. So I want to encourage you this morning just to pray to prayer. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. How's your heart to love God vertical, to love your neighbor horizontal? That's the calling of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you the joy it is to know you and to live with you and to see you at work in our lives and to know Jesus and to trust you. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. We don't deserve it. We fail, we're selfish, we're proud and nasty. And Lord, you come back and you convict us and you burden us and you call us to yourself. And you say, come. Lord, may we come. May we have ears to hear and eyes to see. And may we follow Jesus. And if there's someone here today listening or listening online, and may, Lord, you work in their lives to help them to see the fulfillment we're looking for in our hearts as in a relationship to Jesus Christ, who came into the world to save sinners that we just come and say, Lord, forgive me. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. Lord, speak to us. And may we honor you with what we say and do. We love you and thank you. Bless this church. Use us here where we are. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen.